This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Stu does America. Maybe before we get to Disney, I wanted to bring you back to just a moment that highlights exactly where we are. We have a, a group of nine people on the Supreme Court. These are the people who have risen to the heights of legal achievement. These are people that can argue anything. They understand they can detect holes in your argument at any time. They can talk their way out of anything, right? These are people who are skilled in this field. And look at this response when our new Katanji uh, Brown Jackson was asked a very, very simple question that a four-year-old could answer. Listen to her response. Uh, Can you provide a definition for the word woman? Can I provide a definition? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. I can't. No? You can't? N- not in okay. this context. So I'm not a biologist. Of- <laughs> Only a biologist can answer a question like that. Look, I mean, you know, if someone asks you if it's raining, I don't know. I'm not a meteorologist. What are the ingredients of mac and cheese? I don't know. I'm not a chef. What's two plus two? I don't know. I'm not a mathematician. Who could possibly know the crazy answers to these very difficult questions? I, uh, I feel like that's something that maybe the people at the top of our legal profession should be able to nail. Considering especially the word woman is in all sorts of laws. Uh, it's in all sorts of previous rulings. There's a lot of how are you going to judge a discrimination case against a woman if you don't know what a woman is? You can't define it. Bizarre, bizarre time. This is, you know, watching stuff like this, when you think about it, is really bad for the country, but good politically for conservatives, at least right at this moment. This is a situation that is smacking people in the face. I think for the first time, we're really having those legitimate two plus two equals five moments. I remember hearing about that story from, you know, and reading 1984 back in the day and thinking to myself that, you know, this is an interesting book, but that could never happen, right? No one's going to say two plus two is five. Everyone knows it's four. It'll always be four. This is a good, a good book, but it's not realistic. It, was it? I think maybe it really was realistic. Look at where we are. You remember that picture of Leah Thomas standing as she got her medal, towering like she's a freaking giant next to these tiny little women who had to compete with her? And everyone's like, no, that's right. That's not a, it's not a guy swimming against two women. That's just three women up there, and that happens to be the best woman. And we're all supposed to, and if you don't do it, you get punished. Let me give you an example of this, because I think we're, 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 we're not that far away from arguing about gravity at this point. Uh, let me give you this. Natasha Ward, she's an actress on Station 19. It's a spinoff of Grey's Anatomy. She decided to comment on the Leah Thomas situation. She said, we need to have this conversation. Supporting trans freedom does not mean it's okay to violate the rights of biological women. Pretending that trans women are not men who have a biological advantage and therefore place an undue burden on biological women is make-believe, and it is not science nor fact. When your truth trumps the truth and forces me to pretend that it's not a lie, we have a very real problem. 
In the long run, women will have to take illegal substances in order to beat men identifying as women in women's sports. Ultimately, pushing women out of the upper echelons of elite sports entirely as we biologically cannot compete apart from enhanced substances, forcing women to endanger their health. That is science. That is fact. Your truth is not the truth when it infringes upon fact and places an undue burden which displaces my rights. We have gone too far. Now, look. It's pretty obvious how she feels about this, feels pretty passionate about it, but that's not a bomb-throwing response. It's not hatred. It's not hate-filled. It's not transphobic. It's just saying, like, look, if we're going to have women's sports, we have to have women playing the sports, or it doesn't make any sense. Kind of obvious, right? Not at all, apparently. Paris Barclay is the executive producer of Station 19, the show the other woman was on. She says, Station 19 is a fictional place, but I'm a real person, so I'll comment. There's two sides to this argument. The side of love, understanding, empathy, and support. And the side of bigotry, ignorance, misinformation, and transphobia. Ms. Natasha Ward, you are on the wrong side. I, uh, quick question is a little bit of a sidebar from this argument. <laughs> Maybe we're getting a little far afield here, but yeah, notice how the word empathy is always included in this. Like, you got to feel empathy. Well, you keep telling us it's the most normal thing in the world and they're finding their truth. What, what on earth do we need to feel empathy for? You keep telling us everything is great and fine and normal and perfect. Why would we need to feel empathy for that? I don't quite understand that. It's just another intersection uh, crash in the middle of the intersection of narratives. Uh, it's a sad, sad place because cars are constantly going through and none of them watch the lights and they constantly collide into each other all the time. Disney uh, is really the focus of what we're supposed to be talking about today, no matter how far off of a sidebar I go. And Disney is trying to appease the woke mob. This is what they do and have done for a while. And Disney went down some weird roads. We remember the Gina Carano situation where uh, she was fired for absolutely nothing. And they, there was a lot of pushback to that. There was talk within Disney that maybe they should try to adopt a more neutral position when it comes to politics. Instead of being advocates and activists for certain positions, Disney should just step back and say, look, we got, some, we got a, a giant talking mouse. Uh, go see him at the park if you want. Here's some, uh, here's some movies. Most of them will probably suck, but there's going to be a good one in there occasionally. And uh, we've got the Sports Channel. We've got ABC. Good night, everybody. That would be kind of a sane way of doing business. They don't need to be pushing for a liberal uh, position politically. And honestly, I don't expect them to push for a political or a conservative one either. I don't need Disney telling me uh, how much they hate abortion either. Right. Like, let us talk about that in our away from Disney time. That doesn't need to be, uh, you know, a sort of conversation we have standing next to Donald Duck. It's not the way we need to do it. So uh, there was this employee revolt because they decided they didn't want to talk out about these issues. They didn't talk about the don't say gay bill, obviously fraudulently named. And because they didn't do that, the employees revolted. The CEO came out and said, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. I, 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 we should have said more about this here. Let me how much how do I what's the fine here? How do I buy myself out of the situation? Is five million dollar donation to some trans charity or what, what do you what do you want to hear right now? That was basically how they responded. And of course, it's never going to be good enough. The the goal of, of a an extortion payment like that is not to make the organization stop making unfair accusations against 
uh, against companies. It's to make them stop attacking you right now. Move on to another company. Can you try CBS or something? Can you find a problem with, I don't know, Nickelodeon? There's only like three companies, so I don't know who's, who's owning what these days, honestly. I mean, Nickelodeon and CBS might be owned by Disney at this point. I haven't checked the news today. But I will say, like, this is a, uh, it's just an extortion payment. It's just, don't, just go away. Target someone else. When they all pay up, you can come back to us and we'll give you another payment. That's sort of the arrangement of these companies, and it's really pathetic. There's no real way for Disney to win this battle unless they develop a spine, which is never going to happen. Now, Disney is going to be creating more gay content for children. That's the headline. Employees for the corporation staged a walkout on Tuesday in protest of the Don't Say Gay bill. Uh, And um, the LGBT task force has been formed over at Disney. Because that's what you need when you got a company that is most well known for talking mouse. You need an LGBT task force. So they're going to be putting more products out to target the quote unquote youngest viewers of Disney. Now, the oldest viewers of Disney are like 15. So what are the youngest ones? We're talking about really young kids here. Gabrielle Union is uh, starring now in a new woke version of cheaper by the Dozen. Now, you might remember Cheaper by the Dozen back in the day. It was made initially in like 1950, and then it was remade with Steve Martin in the early 2000s-ish. It's a movie about uh, uh, parents with 12 kids, okay? Well, the new version has a couple of changes in it. Just a couple. Uh, it's, first of all, being lauded by critics. It's got a 38% mm-hmm. rating on the t- t- tomato meter. About 29% from audiences, so... Really, really promising. Here's the uh, the poster for the movie. And, you know, I'm not going to count here on the screen, but what you'll notice, first of all, is they only have 10 kids, which the whole movie is supposed to be about having 12 kids. Uh, you'll notice, uh, I guess if you count the two parents, there's 12, but that's not how the movie's supposed to work. Uh, and you'll notice it's not like the original. The original was uh, a mother having 12 babies, and uh, over time, and they had a big family. This is a mixed family. It's, you know, some kids from one marriage, some kids from another, some kids are adopted. They're all different. It's the whole, all the different colors of the rainbow. As we used to joke, it's like a Benetton ad. Now Benetton, I think, is probably out of business by now. And their philosophy is the only philosophy that's acceptable. That one turned around on us at one point. Here is uh, the opening credits. I thought you might enjoy this little nugget. Opening credits of uh, Cheaper by the Dozen. Beautiful, nice little house there. Now, first of all, clean up your freaking lawn, okay? You get toys all over your lawn. Pick up the damn toys. None of them look like they're used. They all look brand new, but they're out on the lawn in this high-quality movie. But can we zoom in a little bit on that window? What is that window? There's something yellow in that window. Oh, a Black Lives Matter, a Black Lives Matter sign in the window of Cheaper by the Dozen in the opening credits. Gives you a little preview of what might be coming. Also, um, apparently there's a lot to hate. uh, uh, And uh, I I guess like you kind of go through this movie, you see all of their references to hate speech and everything. I got to tell you about some of these. This one's funny though too. Uh, If you own a diner, that serves breakfast all day, you got to have right behind you to remind you to resist hate. Because if you don't have a resist hate sign in your diner, you might just, who knows how much you'll hate that bacon. You will hate the bacon, you will hate the eggs, you will hate the English muffins. Uh, Resist the hate, Disney uh, says. Now look, 
at some level, of course, obviously we all understand. You shouldn't, uh, you shouldn't hate. Of course, black lives do very much matter as uh, equally, not more, not less, equally to white lives or Asian lives or any other life, uh, except for babies. Obviously, babies' lives don't matter whatsoever. Uh, but when you talk about uh, people's lives mattering, they all matter. They would not put an all lives matter uh, sign, of course, in the window, because that would be, I think, hateful if you follow this. Now, just to give you, I just want to walk you through this, because you might have kids, and you might be saying, you know, I don't know, shut up, kid. Watch a movie or something, and they walk over to Disney+, Plus, and they click down, and they click on uh, Cheaper by the Dozen. Let me give you a little taste. Other than resisting hate and Black Lives Matter signs, here's some of the wonderful plot in the movie. Oh, spoiler alert, because <laughs> in case you're planning to watch it, you might not know. The dogs are named Bark Obama and Joe Biden. Get it? Bark and Bite? J- Bark Obama and Joe Biden. And by the way, uh, Bark Obama is a black Rottweiler and Joe is a light brown Chihuahua. There you go. Um, so at one point, a babysitter is there. Uh, talking to uh, the kids. Now, remember, this is a movie aimed at young children. Hey, what are you guys playing? Kids are riding their bikes. Drag race! Babysitter. Oh, great, I love RuPaul. First of all, terrible joke. But second of all, you're making drag queen references in the middle of a Disney movie? Really? Yeah, that's where we are. The amount of product placement in this movie will shock even the most capitalist instinct in you, to the point of there are honest orange juice boxes uh, almost everywhere in this movie. It, I, I think the house is made out of them. They actually built the house out of honest orange juice boxes. So that, you're going to see a lot of that. Uh, the family moves into a giant house in a swanky neighborhood, and all the kids are running around and hitting each other with pool noodles and screaming. And what you'd expect, family 12, ha, 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 it's really, really funny. The neighborhood security guard arrives to tell them there's a strict noise policy. Now, any of that could have happened in any of the, the original versions of this movie, right? And it's very typical. The crazy kids, hey, wait a minute, kids, calm down, calm down. However, Gra- Gabrielle Union, who's the wife uh, in this movie, uh, she is African-American. Zach Braff is the husband. He's white, so it's a, it's a, it's too, it's a mixed marriage here. Um, Gabrielle Union immediately, of course, implies that the reason she's getting in trouble is because the person, uh, the security guard in the neighborhood is racist. Um, tells them uh, she's, they're racist for um, uh, moving, uh, kind of uh, harassing them as they move in. And then he is shamed to roll away in a Segway. All right, how about the pool scene? This is a great one. They're at the pool. Uh, black wife, white husband. Uh, she, uh, she says, no, and no one said a word to either of them at this point. She says, I just feel like we don't belong here. He says, oh, of course we belong here. Then she says, you belong here. You belong everywhere. Oh, come on, he replies. She says, no, you come on. Believe it or not, I don't share the same sense of privilege that you do, that I could just go anywhere and automatically belong. This is a mental freaking illness, boys and girls. That's what this is. If you think this way, you're nuts. Okay. no one cares about where you are. Nobody. Nobody cares. There's four people in hoods in Charlottesville who care. Nobody else cares. Get it out of your head. It's not real. Nobody cares if you show up at the pool. Nobody. Don't worry about it. We love to have you at the pool. Go swimming. Don't accuse our security guards of harassment if you can help it. 
but just go swimming, have some fun, let's move on with our lives. So she says, oh, the, the privilege, the privilege, the privilege. And he says, well, look, I don't feel that way. And she says, name one time in your life that you didn't belong. His reply, really? Okay, how about that time your father took me to the barbershop in Inglewood and they gave me Jerry Curl? Or how about when your mom, uh, we went to your mom's church and everyone stared at me the entire time? Um, now, I love how they're coming up with a fictional scene to prove racism, and they can't even prove racism in the fictional scene. Uh, there's also this one, which I think is fun. Uh, Gabrielle Union, uh, the African-American wife, warns their children of, co uh, of color about playing with their toy space ray guns inside the house only. Because if you play outside, it's not safe. You never know when a white police officer could come by and see a little black child with a gun and immediately take him out. Because there's so many stories of space gun directed murder of children in this country. It's an absolute epidemic. Say their names. If you don't remember all the children with space guns who have been killed in their nice swanky uniform by security guards on segways, then you are not paying attention. This is insanity, and it's so far away from the original vision of what Disney was supposed to be. You know, you've been allowed to say gay for quite some time in this country. In fact, let me just take you back decades, decades ago, we even had a sitcom called My Two Dads. This is me, Nicole Bradford. Cute, huh? This is my dad. And this is my dad. How'd I get to dad? He inherited me. Congratulations. It's a girl. Here's the judge who brought us together. She lives in our building. My building. I own it. She's going to make sure we're one big happy family with one dad who's down to earth and one dad with his head in the clouds. I, I think we're father of the year. You can count on me. You know, I told them I wasn't going to play that whole theme song, but it was just too good. Too good. And I will say this, the poor saxophone industry, they really lost out after the 80s went away. So many sax solos in almost every song, and now almost none. Really is, it really is sad. Uh, the don't say gay bill has nothing to do with my two dads. In fact, my two dads and my two dads weren't gay at all. They were two straight dads, just happened to be living together via court order, which is a very common practice here in the United States. Uh, the Don't Say Gay Bill is part of another very common practice here in the United States when the media lies and lies and lies and lies and lies about something that a conservative is doing. And we're going to go through some of those lies uh, here on the program today. You know, uh, one of the biggest proponents of this, and if you you kind of want to look at where this is coming from. One of the biggest proponents nationally is a guy you kind of know. His name is Chasen. Chasen Buttigieg. Yes, husband of the Secretary of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg, a guy who rides his bike to work from like a block away after he's taken an SUV with the bike in the back so he can look like, hey, guess what? 
I'm environmentally friendly. Well, he's also married to Chasen Buttigieg, and he tweeted this. Every LGBTQ student. Where, where is the two, the I, the A, and the plus? Come on, Chasen, get with the program. Uh, every LGBTQ student, teacher, parent, nurse, astronaut, mechanic, soldier, etc., in Florida is still LGBTQ. Wow. The governor can sign a bill making it illegal to acknowledge their existence, but he can't make them disappear with a pen. Love will always win, friends. Onward. Will, you know what else always seems to win with you guys? Lies. Because at no point is, did any rational person believe that uh, the bill would make it illegal to acknowledge a gay person's existence? That is not... <laughs> I mean, all the things that have been said about this bill... This might be the craziest one. That is not what the bill does, uh, quite obviously. And, I, 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 you know, it's interesting to see where did this come from? Why is it happening? What, what is the origin story of this bill, which is, a, I mean, honestly, a relatively dull bill. Here it is. All right here. Seven pages of... Just honestly, like, hey, parents should have the rights to, to be updated on their kids' health conditions if there's something changes at school and you know, some stuff about sex ed. We'll get into the details of that here in a second. But honestly, it's not, not that all that revolutionary. It's relatively boring. Where did all of this come from? And most importantly, why? Why is it being referred to as the don't say gay bill? Look around. I mean, I, I ask you to do this. Look around the Internet. Look around at news publications, look around at news broadcasts, and try to find a story where they call it by its actual name. Why are, They all call it the Don't Say Gay Bill. Now, stunningly, that's not what the bill is actually called. Uh, I guess that isn't, shouldn't be all that surprising. Um, but it's interesting, the very first tweet on the entire Twitter sphere about the Don't Say Gay Bill actually did refer to the original name of the bill. And here it is. It's from an organization called the Florida Freedom to Read Project, which spends a lot of time telling people to read certain books that might be controversial to younger students and not a lot of time asking them to read other books that aren't all that controversial to uh, younger students. But this is uh, the first tweet about this that I could find, at least. Uh, Yesterday, the Florida House Education Employment Committee gave notice that it will hear the Don't Say Gay Parental Rights and Education Bill, HB 1557, SB 1834, Thursday, January 20th at 9 a.m. This is the first of only two House committee stops for the bill. Usually it's three. And it's interesting because... On this day, it wasn't like this tweet went mega viral. It barely got retweeted at all or liked at all. But it was the first tweet out there calling it the Don't Say Gay Bill. So where did this come from? Well, you notice on this date, January 19th, all of the sudden, almost everyone in tandem started calling it the Don't Say Gay Bill all at the same time, which is kind of strange. It's almost like, you know, great minds do think alike. So maybe they just all came to the same conclusion at the same time to name this something that it doesn't do. To totally uh, manufacture a completely fraudulent thing that this bill has no intention of doing and never had intention of doing, stopping people from saying the word gay. The Don't Say Gay bill that same day, Equality Florida tweeted it out. Alert! Florida lawmakers are voting tomorrow on the dangerous quote, Don't Say Gay bill. That would block teachers from talking about LGBTQ people 
or issues. Didn't do that. Russia messaged the committee members telling the vote no. Now, Equality Florida, of course, a big uh, rights organization. That is uh, 3.19 p.m., you know, let's say eight hours after the original uh, tweet or so uh, from the Florida Freedom to Read project. Then we have this one. This is uh, Diana Cohen's. She tweeted, uh, we are mobilizing to stop our Florida legislature from pushing through more anti-LGBTQ bills. It's going to be a long two months. The House and Education and Employment Commission is voting in the morning on HB 1557. Don't say gay. Please, her- please help urge com- committee members to vote no. And then attached were multiple documents and scripts to call uh, uh, your legislators and such across the state uh, with uh, scripts like this. Um, uh, You should say, hello, my name is blank. I am urging Chair Latvala to vote no on HB 1557, the anti-LGBTQ parents' rights bill on Thursday. Outlawing discussion of LGBTQ families in the classroom only serves to hurt the development of LGBTQ plus kids and kids with LGBTQ plus parents and contributes to bullying, prejudice and bias. And then they give you the same script a bunch of times with the only difference being the name. So... (laughs) So if you have you have constituents dumb enough that they can't insert the different name of the representative. Well, the congratulations, you're a Democrat. Uh, this is a fascinating one because it's just a normal person tweeting about this. But with all sorts of documents, which indicates that all of these sort of left wing uh, organizations all at the same time decided to release this attack on this bill to frame it as don't say gay. And of course, you know, we could sit here and be critical of those organizations. And we have been many, many times. However, this is their job. Their job is to lie. They get up every day and decide how on that day they will lie. And they will try to convince people of lies. That is literally what they get paid for. Every day they get up to tell people lies and try to get them to believe it. The media, however, has a totally different job. Their job is to occasionally even listen to wacko organizations whose job it is to lie and to listen to those lies and then determine what lies are true and what lies are lies. Right. Maybe some of the information they're giving out is accurate. The bill was really going to committee. However, the lie that frames this entire discussion is not something the media is just supposed to embrace. However, the media has just straight up embraced the negative framing of this bill from day one as if it's the actual name of the bill. The bill is not the don't say gay bill. In fact, if your whole point was to not say the word gay, you wouldn't title it with the word gay in the title. That would be a really strange way of doing things. Russia passed some bill where they didn't want people to say war. They didn't say the don't say war bill because then every time someone would say the name of the bill, they'd be saying war. So instead, they call it a special military operation. Very rarely do bills like this get a full embrace from the media. We've seen it a couple times. I mentioned earlier this week, Obamacare is sort of one of them. At the very beginning, Republicans were saying, hey, this is Obamacare. Obama's, this is on Obama, this crappy health care bill. It's on Obama. Remember that Barack Obama is the guy who pushed this through. And the media initially fought back against that 
vociferously. They said it is called the Affordable Care Act. It's not Obamacare. That is a name its opponents have adopted to try to demean and uh, in a deranged attack against this bill. And for a long time, they stuck with that until Barack Obama himself came out and said, you know what? I actually like Obamacare. I'm going to take responsibility for this. It was his way of sort of spinning it back into his favor. And then the media got on board and started calling it Obamacare over and over again. But like they didn't get to call it the death panel bill. No one, no media member ever said, you know what? The death panel bill is coming up for a vote. That didn't happen. They just smeared people who said the words death panels. What if conservatives had the media and they could spin any bill the way that they wanted to? When an abortion bill came up, it wouldn't even be pro-choice or pro-life. It would be the slaughtering babies in the womb bill. You think that could ever, ever happen? That's essentially what has gone on with this bill. They've taken a ridiculous reading of it. They've manipulated it 50 different ways and then lied on top of that. And the media has eaten it up. Try to find a story that puts anything but don't say gay bill in the headline when talking about this legislation, which, again, is not an over the top piece of legislation. It's somewhat mundane. Look, the truth is. The don't say gay bill doesn't stop people from saying the word gay. It doesn't do anything to the average Floridian. So if you're one of these dumb celebrities walking around saying gay over and over again, you just look like an idiot. It's only about students and while they are in school. And it's almost all kids are basically uh, not even dealing with the part of the bill that they're talking about. For almost all kids, it just designates that conversations about sexuality, gender issues should be age appropriate. What does that mean? Well, it means if you oppose the bill, you are explicitly arguing for conversations that are not age appropriate. Which is a really weird position to be. I mean, it's a strange thing to be arguing for, Mr. Epstein. You might say, well, I don't agree with what they say is age appropriate. And that's pretty incredible because they won't even have what those standards are until June of 2023. So you can argue about it then. But right now you're just complaining about something that literally does not yet exist. The only place where anything is banned is in kindergarten through third grade. The clear point here is that there isn't an age-appropriate version of sex talk with first graders. Is that a controversial position? But honestly, the bill doesn't even go that far. It just stops explicitly sex-related material, gay or straight, in in the actual official curriculum of the public school system in those pre-third grade years. Opponents then said, well, that would stop a kid from, like, let's say they have two dads and uh, they're uh, they're drawing a picture of their family. They would be banned if they're talking about their two dads. They would be banned. Or if they were watching reruns of the sitcom, my two dads, they could be banned. But the bill never did that. And just because they decided to make it explicit and specifically clear They went through a process to address the fake complaints from the left. They amended the bill to specifically allow for kids who have two dads to draw pictures of their family with two dads and not get thrown out of school. And yet the media still calls it the don't say gay bill, despite the fact that they know it does nothing of the sort. 
The attacks on this bill have nothing to do with being able to say gay or not. It has to do with the left and the media realizing that Ron DeSantis is a threat, and they better weaken him before he announces he's running for president. They know it doesn't do the things they claim it does. They know they are lying, but they're going to do it anyway. And buckle up, you got three years of this ahead. So fear not, Florida. You can continue to say the word gay. You can continue to be gay. And you can even continue to watch reruns of My Two Dads, starring Dick Butkus, which in retrospect is perhaps one of the gayest sentences ever spoken. Uh, welcome, uh, Glenn Beck. He is here. Uh, his next special is coming up at 9 p.m. Eastern, right after this program. I mean, that was really the way to introduce. Thank you. You come out I'm of not... the commercial break, you are, you're <laughs> loaded, and you're like, Dah. I'm not, like, like convinced I'm excited about this, that I'm supposed to feign it. So. <laughs> All right, okay. okay. The uh, How Ukraine's crisis will usher in a digital dollar disaster. Be sure to stay tuned. Glenn, how's it going? I'm sensing a theme with my shows. Yeah. Disaster seems to be capitalized <laughs> yeah. in most of your titles. Yeah. Or catastrophe. Yeah. You have a bunch of, you have like a thesaurus just turned to that page. <laughs> That's exactly And just right. like inserting all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so speaking of catastrophes, I talked about Disney <laughs> today mm -hmm. uh, in the monologue. And you are the Disney guy around here. You love Disney. You've love always Disney. loved them. Love Walt Disney. Love what he wanted to create. Love what he did create. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I love Walt Disney. Before we get into the downfall here, can you take us back to the beginnings? What did he want to create? Because I think I don't think people have any idea what he actually okay, wanted. Okay, so at this point. he just wanted to. He was a newspaper cartoonist, and the first thing he wanted to do was make uh, film. He wanted to make a cartoon. Um, he made a silent. The first Mickey is actually a silent, um, but then. Uh, that was delayed because sound came out, and so he wanted to make Mickey Mouse with sound. So the first one, not released, you know, in mm -hmm. order, first one was shelved so Steamboat Willie could come out. He wanted to break the rules on things. Mickey Mouse became huge. He wanted to make movies, real movies, really studying things. Bambi uh, came out. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs was his first. But he studied. He made, I mean, he would bring animals into the art department. I mean, he wanted to break mm. all of the traditions and do something spectacular. The war hit, his studio was taken over for the war. Um, the, the unions uh, started boycotting him. Um, and once the unions hit him, he was never really the same. He really kind of gave up on the Walt Disney Company itself as a movie company. Um, and you can kind of see that. The last one he was really into was um, Sleeping Beauty. Um, and after that, he, he just didn't want anything more to do with it. And so he started doing the theme park, and he mm -hmm. wanted to make a theme park. He did the theme park, but that's not really what he had in mind. He saw that, and he was like, wait a minute. I think there's something here about a city. And when, when he designed... Um, Walt Disney World, it first didn't have the Magic Castle and Disneyland in it. Uh, Roy made him do that because Roy said, we got to make money. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. He wanted just to build Epcot, which was the experimental prototype city of tomorrow. And it, it, it is the, it's genius. It, today, it's genius. Um, and I think he saw 
what's happening now. I think he saw the broke uh, the breakdown of the cities. He saw that we were we were building cities that were just kind of this bridge between two worlds, even now more so. Um, and he wanted to build these cities all over. He said it was the most important thing that he ever wanted to do, um, or that the most important thing of his life, and he never did it. The, the other thing is, um, everybody claims they loved Walt Disney. Hollywood hated Walt Disney. Um, mm. the, the newspapers were all snobs. He's a cartoon guy. Um, they, they did not like him or wish him well. Hollywood didn't like it because he didn't like the unions. And the reason why all of his movies had like Kurt Russell in it is because he had a small pool of actors that would go against, if you worked for Disney, you didn't work for anybody else. Mm. And gosh, it's so hard to believe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Especially he back was, then. Yeah. He was trying to break up the studio system. And uh, so if you were working for him, no other studio wanted you. And now they've turned into the, the studio machine. system. They've turned yeah. into the organization that's going to yeah. cast you aside and ban you and blacklist you yeah. for the things you believe. It's, you know, we're really discovering big is not always better. Mm. You know, um, these companies have gotten so big. And in, in the case of Disney, they just handed the entire company over to the employees. I mean, it is out of control now. The CEO is not in charge of, of Disney. He's, he's being held hostage uh, by the cast members and because, because he's not, I think everyone now looks at Disney and thinks, oh, they're just a bunch of crazy, like, left woke people. The CEO is not really that, right? Like he was. At well, least he's not. So I, I wouldn't say that he's a Texas conservative. <laughs> right, right, you know what right, I mean? Yeah, sure. But sure. for that role, yeah, for Hollywood, he is a mm -hmm. conservative. Really? Yeah, for that, for, for that, for role. Hollywood, right. you know, for Hollywood. Um, and he just wanted to take the company and just say, "Let's make movies." Did you, by the way, see uh, who was it? Was it Mark Andreessen? Uh, from uh, is it Coinbase mm -hmm. that that kicked and said you're fired? Yeah, uh, to, to, to get rid of all the people who were talking politics. Yeah, yeah he's One not way the CEO. He was a big investor in Coinbase, but the Coin, Coinbase is the right company okay. that did that. Yeah. So the CEO of Coinbase came out and said, "Did you see the t Twitter feed?" He said, "It's been a year." Came out yesterday. Mm. Been a year. Best decision I've ever made. Really? He said, we are so much more efficient. We are, we're rocketing. Everything is going really well. And the staff is happy. Well, you know, because those are the things you were supposed to avoid. I mean, there was that don't talk religion or politics and polite company, right? That, yeah. that was always, and I understand that, like, that, that, that's just a generalization. But when it becomes the entire focus of your company, the reporting is that Disney went into this and said, look, We've seen some of the, the hiccups we've had in the past with this. Let's just not talk about it. Let's just let's just make great entertainment for families and Correct. do our thing. And now I don't buy that that's what they were doing, at least to my standards. Mm -hmm. uh, but that was rejected by the employees to the point that they revolted. I mean, they, 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 oh, they walked out. They walked out. And I would say don't let the Disney door hit you in the ass on the way out. <laughs> I would have that. I would have celebrated. OK, good. Now we don't have to fire them. Thank you. Bye bye. Um, the uh, uh, the problem is, is that instead of saying that he gave them more power by saying, OK, we're going to make gay friendly content for children now. 
Which is what every parent has been screaming for. <laughs> no, I don't think that's true. Yeah, uh, actually. Uh, so you talked about the original vision of, of Disney and, and Epcot, the city of uh, experimental protocol city, city uh, of tomorrow. Experimental prototype city of tomorrow, okay. community of tomorrow. Um, and what's interesting about that, because you have the, the original design, right? Uh, I mean, I've seen the, the blueprint. It's, it's incredible. Yeah that he just left behind at a meeting somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is crazy. But a big part of that planning for the average person in the city of tomorrow was community. It was not built around giant skyscrapers. It was not built around, you know, big, even expansive suburbs where everyone had gigantic yards and no one ever talked to each other. It It was all about community. How? All of the houses were facing each other with a park in between. And then there was the what was called the Wedway, you know, those cars that constantly run in, you know, in yeah. Disneyland or mm-hmm. Disney World in the future section to the land of tomorrow. There were stairs that would go up and then you would just get onto the Wedway and that would take you into the, into the center of the city. Mm-hmm. And he had, it was all built in a circle and he had concentric circles uh, all the way, but it was all linked so there was no real traffic, no street traffic, because all of the traffic was underneath the ground. But all of the houses faced each other with this park and had very small backyards because he, he thought we shouldn't be in our backyard. The way he grew up is you'd sit on the porch in the sun and, mm. you know, and all the kids would be playing. And so it was just giant park out front. So the neighbors would get to know each other. And then you so you didn't drive into your driveway at the front of your house no you would i think you could have there was a driveway behind everybody's house in the alleyway and you could park behind but there was really no space behind the house it was all in front and everything was made to be community to bring people together um and it's it's it was a remarkable design i wish they would have made it how much uh, how much of our problems today are a result of us kind of taking a lot of these discussions on t- into an, an anonymous place like social media, as opposed to actually talking to people in our community, knowing your neighbors who might have different views and talking that stuff out. Well, a lot of our problems socially are caused by that. Um, but our problem is the opposite politically. For instance, um, We've known, I've just listened to an expert on the dollar um, getting ready for this show just a couple of days ago. And I'm listening to him explain what happened in 08, 9, 10, 11, 12. All those days that I said, this is going to collapse. This is, they're going to print money and it's not going to be able to hold. Do you remember I talked about Moody's downgrading us and others are going to drop the dollar? Mm -hmm. That was all conspiracy theory. Listening to him, because he was there, he documented everything. That's exactly what was happening. But they didn't talk about it. No one in the global finance community wanted to talk about it because they needed a plan. So now they're coming out and saying, we've got to study this and we have to have a bill passed in the next six months. And we're going to talk to everybody. That's all done. Now they're just bringing the sheep along. That's the problem, is most of our problems are because things are so big, giant corporations and giant global, you know, globalist uh, looking 
at the whole thing and not including the average person at all. And it, it won't work. It won't work. Things get too big, like Disney, and it'll work for a while until your people revolt. And that's what's happening with Disney now. Um, so your book, The Great Reset, which is actually available, you can buy it yeah. uh, in stores, yeah. in hardcover, which is amazing. Um, the book talks about how to push back against this. I mean, certainly all these problems that we're talking about are described in detail in the book. And it is, you've talked about it as the sort of uh, the key that unlocks all these questions. Um, you understand the world. What do you do, though? How can you, how can you stop this? It's it seems all, too big. You can't. You can't. Oh, okay. oh. <laughs> That's not what I expected. No, I you, thought we were, we're going to get yeah. an answer here. No, I don't think we can stop it. We can delay it. Um, we can thwart it. Um, but I don't think you can stop it cold in its tracks. Portions of it will continue. Mm. Um, but if states would stand up and cities would stand up, they have the power to do it right now. Soon they won't have the power. Um, you know, I love all these legislatures and, and uh, governors who are like, we'll pick this up next year. Really? Will you? Will you pick it up next year? You know what the world can look like a year from now? I think we've learned that lesson the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so really the thing to do is really start, I don't know if I've said this on the air, but I've, I've prayed for two things. One, to be able to see the things he wants me to see and share, okay? Mm -hmm. Be able to put this picture together and share it so people are warned. The other is how do we, how do we financially prepare? And part of that prayer, most of that prayer has been like, what do I do? So I have some resources left to be able to help. And uh, I've been thinking like most people on what do I do? And uh, I was in the shower about three weeks ago and I was praying and, and uh, man, I got chastised hard. And I said, what are people going to need? Because that's what you have to think for your finances. What are people going to want? What are they going to want? Okay, when things go down, are they going to want art? Are they going to want, what, what is it they're going to want? Mm. And uh, he said, uh, I heard in my prayer, um, I can't tell you anymore what people are going to want but I can tell you what they're going to need. You should start thinking that way. And I was really humbled and like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and what that means is uh, we're going to need each other. We're going to need um, to help each other. We're going to need food. I, you know, I talked to David Barton the other day. David doesn't believe what I believe. I mean, he believes that we're in trouble, but he doesn't believe it to the extent I'm talking to him over the weekend. I said, what'd you do yesterday? And he said, I got a lot of strange looks at the hardware store. And I said, why? And he said, because I bought every shovel. I bought every uh, spade and hoe and all the tools I could buy. I said, what? And he said, you know, Glenn, when this hits, what tools do you have? And where are you going to go buy them? And I thought, this is from David Barton, <laughs> wow. really? He's yeah. not been like that. But he, he brought up a really good point. Even if this doesn't get to apocalyptic, which I don't think it will. I think it will be bad, but it's not the apocalypse. Uh, we make it to the other side. Um, 
we the the phrase that they have all been saying the elites have all been saying is Americans are just going to have to do with less mm-hmm. they're going to have to do with less that's true and you better start thinking this way just because of the split in the world of uh, east versus west back in the cold war i don't know if you even remember but when the wall fell it was no big deal for us I mean, it wasn't like we got Levi's, you know what I mean? We didn't need anything from the Soviet Union. This is China and India and probably Taiwan and uh, Mm. and Vietnam, all of these countries, okay, um, that we get stuff from and need stuff from. Because we're going into a Cold War, if they're not providing those things, Americans... We are going to look back on these times as the time we could get whatever we wanted, let alone before COVID. So you're saying I'm going to regret complaining about seven months on a new car order? <laughs> I think so. Okay. Right, I think good. so. That sounds great. Yeah. Uh, Glenn Beck, the new special is how Ukraine's crisis will usher in a digital dollar disaster. We didn't even talk about that, no. actually. So and it's really lot, important, too. <laughs> there's a lot more uh, yeah. hell, uh, apparently, that we've not covered. <laughs> uh, 9 p.m. Eastern is right after this show. Make sure to check it out. BlazeTV.com slash do. Enter the promo code Sue to uh, save 10 bucks. Glenn, thanks Thank for coming you. on. How do you fix the whole wokeness problem if you're some big company? Not like this. Disney had a big walkout going on, and they had a walkout flop. Yes, more turned out in Florida, or against the Florida Don't Say Gay Bill in Los Angeles than they did in Florida, which doesn't make much sense unless this has nothing to do with Florida whatsoever. Uh, However, we should note the showing. In Orlando, an all-day walkout was planned for Tuesday by Disney's LGBTQIA+, no two spirits in there, I noticed, community and their allies. But only one Disney employee could be found protesting outside of Disney's Walt, Walt Disney World Resort in Orlando, Florida, according to a local NBC affiliate. The employee, Nicholas Maldonado, was not scheduled to work. <laughs> that's not a protest. That, he just stopped by on his day off. That's, that's something totally different. Uh, we have talked about what you do as a company to try to solve this wokeness uh, disease that is spread throughout uh, our version of capitalism. And it's kind of a difficult thing for most companies. Now, stay with me here for a second, because we know there are companies that have a leftist agenda. Those, those are real. A lot of companies are like that. They'll tell you about it. They like to be very out front with the you know, left-wing agenda that they are supporting and giving money to. Those companies exist, and they're real, and no matter what, you're not going to change those companies. They're going to be left-leaning companies. And there are a few conservative companies that do the same type of thing. I mean, the Blaze would be one, right? We're not going to be like, well, I don't know. I think we're going to go a little more neutral. No, we have a point of view, and we don't mind telling you that we have a point of view. But there are a lot of companies in the middle, a lot of companies that they may have their own individual political beliefs, but generally speaking, they're there to make money. They're there to make products. They're there to better the community in whatever way they can. Uh, it might be, if it's Disney, you'd think it would be making kids have fun at their park with their giant talking mouse that really should terrify children. I mean, I, if you've ever seen a normal-sized mouse run, run, mouse run through a house, you know how much it freaks out everybody inside. So I don't know why a giant talking mouse would be soothing to children, but somehow it is. 
Disney is not one of these companies, though. They've decided to go far, far to the left. But let me give an example um, of a different way to go. But first, let me give you an outline of how crazy Disney is getting. And we talked about this this week. This is kind of like a good wrap up of the week's topics. This is uh, not a new story. It's from, I think, a, you know, a few months ago. Uh, but I want to give you this. This is from uh, her name is Walden. She's one of the heads over at uh, Disney. She says, I will tell you for the first time, we received some incredibly well-written scripts that did not satisfy our standards in terms of inclusion. And we passed on them, she said to moderator Janice Min, a contributing editor at Time. Walden said that one script revolved around, you're not going to believe this, a white family. Oh, my gosh. While diversity and inclusion would likely come from the neighbors or other minor roles. Pass, she said. That's not going to get on the air anymore because that's not what our audience wants. That's not a reflection of our audience. And I feel good about the direction we're moving. Do you? So you're going to give crappier shows because there's not enough different skin colors in the cast or... There are plenty of different skin colors, but they live next door instead of in the house themselves. That's that's how you get something like Cheaper by the Dozen that we made fun of earlier this week. So what direction are they going into? Well, it is programming that is by BIPOC storytellers for BIPOC audiences curated by executives of color, high level leaders inside our organization. Like, I don't know, maybe just make a good show and let whoever wants to watch it, watch it. That's not Disney though. They have become an ideological organization and you could see it in their actions on a day-to-day basis. But what else do you do? As we know, the left will come out. They will boycott you. They will protest. One guy who doesn't work, isn't working that day will show up in front of your theme park and say how bad you are. And do you want that to happen? These people seem to have absolutely no spine whatsoever. And if you run a company, You're just dodging bullets all the time. You're just trying to stay away from the woke mob for another day. How do we stay alive? How do we stay off of Twitter? How do we stay out of the news? That's a terrible motivation for a company. Your company should have a different message altogether. And I want to give you an example of this and revisit something we talked about a few uh, months ago. Coinbase is a company. If you don't know them, they are a cryptocurrency company, probably the biggest one. Uh, out there, at least in, in America. Uh, and they are kind of, you know, you could buy Bitcoin there, you could buy Ethereum there, you could buy, you know, probably 100 different cryptocurrencies there. They'll store it for you. There's all sorts of services they do, but it's all around cryptocurrency. And their CEO, uh, Brian Armstrong, decided to say, you know what? What if we try something different? There was the typical things you'd expect, especially out of a tech company, popping up which were things like, you know, in, internal di- uh, divisions over politics and people trying to protest and, and you know, get people, uh, they're getting at each other's throats over different solutions to problems. So he decided to make his policy public. And let me review it here with you uh, if you haven't seen it yet. Everyone is asking the questions about how companies can engage in broader societal issues during these difficult times while keeping their teams united and focused on the mission. Coinbase has had its own challenges here, including employee walkouts. I decided to share publicly how I'm addressing this in case it helps others navigate a path through these challenging times. All right. Here's some of the bullet points. Policy decisions. If there's a bill introduced around crypto, we may engage here. But we normally wouldn't engage in policy decisions around healthcare or education, for example. Broader societal issues. 
We don't engage here when issues are unrelated to our core mission because we believe impact only comes with focus. Yeah. Political causes. We don't advocate for any particular causes or candidates internally that are unrelated to our mission because it is a distraction from our mission. Even if we all agree something is a problem, we may not all agree on the solution. In short, I want Coinbase to be laser focused on achieving its mission because I believe that this is the way we can have the biggest impact on the world. We will do this by playing as a championship team, focus on building and being transparent about what our mission is and isn't. We will fight to get on the same page when we have differences, support each other and create team cohesion. Assume positive intent. What an important lesson that is for your entire life Every relationship, learn that if you haven't already. If you're one of these little boys and girls out there trying to form your life and make it, uh, make your way through it, that is one of the most important pieces of advice I can possibly give you. Assume positive intent. When you're dealing with someone, assume positive intent. You don't want to get rolled over. You have to be honest with yourself, but don't go into every situation thinking they're attacking you all the time, because normally that's not the case. Assume positive intent, put the company goals ahead of our teams or individual goals. We won't, at Coinbase as they go on, debate causes or political candidates internally that are unrelated to, I don't know, work. Expect the company to represent our personal beliefs externally. They won't do that because you know what? That's not what a company is supposed to do. Assume we will not assume negative intent or not have each other's back. And we will not take on activism outside of our core mission at work. This is a different path than you're seeing from so many companies across the country. It doesn't seem like a difficult path, does it? Doesn't it seem like the basic thing a company can do, look, we're here to work. Let's do the work while we're here. If there's a big issue that's popping up around, like, let's say, cryptocurrency, then we can address that and we may have some positions to advocate. But if it's not about cryptocurrency, well, what are we doing? If it's not about the sandwiches we're making, why are we talking about it? If it's not about the, the washer and dryer sets we're selling, what are we blabbing about, right? That's what work has always been, I think. I never came to, I mean, this place, of course, is a little bit different in that we do have a pretty specific mission. But I mean, I worked at an, a, a, a furniture delivery company, uh, scheduling incredible uh, installations and deliveries, by the way. Uh, you probably have some of uh, the office furniture that I delivered to your house years and years ago. But I will say this, never did we get into some big public advocacy uh, competition. You just made sure the furniture showed up on time. Made sure the customers were happy. That's what we were supposed to do. That was our job. We made the world better by doing that in our own little way. And that's what work has always been. But now all of a sudden, even if your work has nothing to do with political advocacy, you have to include it in your company. And that's insane. But is this a, a path that companies can, can get through? Does it work? You know, I mean, it's one thing to say all that stuff. Does it work? We've seen plenty of companies. Even Disney sort of signaled a version of this at one point, but they've bailed on it out of terror over their own employees. Well, Coinbase decided to update everybody on the situation. And here's what the CEO, Brian Armstrong, said. He said, it's been about a year since my mission-focused blog post. It wasn't easy to go through at the time, but looking back, it turned out to be one of the most positive changes I've made at Coinbase, and I'd recommend it to others. We have much more of a much more aligned company now where we can focus on getting work done toward our mission. 
and it has allowed us to hire some of the best talent from organizations where employees are fed up with politics, infighting, and distraction. Yes, you, your company, can also attract those people, the sane people, the people who want to be there to do work. They will show up. They will want to apply to your business if you talk about this stuff. And those people are usually the people who get everything done at your office anyway. Why not have more of them? Goes on. One of the biggest concerns around our stance was that it would impact our diversity numbers. This is fascinating. Since my post, we've grown our headcount by about 110%, while our diversity numbers have remained the same or even improved on some metrics. Several people told me this would never happen when I circulated the original draft internally. It turns out there are people from every background who want to work at a mission-focused company. While the media reports were mostly negative and even spawned some retaliatory and intellectually dishonest hit pieces, the reaction both from employees and people I spoke to in private was overwhelmingly positive. The only sense I can make of it is that there is a huge mismatch between people's stated and revealed preferences right now. So true. And we're operating in an environment of virtue signaling and fear of speaking up. The biggest lesson I, t- took while, uh, I took away from the whole ordeal is that if you believe, if believe something is the right path, it's worth speaking up about it, even if it's controversial. Yes. Yes, it is true. Do what you're supposed to do. Move forward. Don't get bogged down in this and make a difference, not just for your own company, but for everybody. Because when there's examples like this, other companies will look at this and say, Hey, I think we can do that, too. Why not? Look, the truth is that people don't want diversity. They want merit. The good news is if you do merit right, you automatically get diversity. You don't need to pander to people's skin color. Tolerance shouldn't mean you are tolerating your employees tanking your company. Work is not the place for your dumb environmental cause. It is not the place for you to advocate for fewer babies to survive. And I'm sorry. I am so, so sorry. But work is not the place for your heroic attempts to raise skin color back to the pinnacle of human existence. Work is for work. Companies that believe that need to be proactive to protect that concept. It's not enough to cower quietly in the closet, hoping that Michael Myers doesn't open the door. Eventually, he always opens the door. And by the way, I don't know if you've noticed this from the past, but he's always carrying a machete. If you are not prepared for the opening of the door from Michael Myers, you will fold. I promise you. He will kill you. You are not Jamie Lee Curtis. You are the dumb babysitter who is hooking up with her boyfriend. To be Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween and to survive the vicious and deranged serial killer of the woke mob, you need to have clear foundational principles and you need to state them loudly and openly. Work is not the place for your politics. When I'm paying you, work. When I'm not paying you, be as dumb as you want to be. And that is a two-way street, by the way. The stupid politics you engage in when you're home, that's not going to affect your job here. I'm not going to judge you for them. You won't get fired for them. What you will get fired for is bringing that crap to work. Your job is not supposed to be your entire life. 
It can be rewarding and interesting, and it should align with your values to some degree, or at least not run in direct opposition. If it does, move along. Find something else. This job is supposed to be a small part of a civilization. Hopefully, you know, all you can do is hopefully make a positive influence in some way. And hopefully it gives you a little bit of money so you can have a place to live and pay your bills and give you a little time away to then do what you want. When you're here, do your job. When you're gone, go ahead. Be an idiot. Just don't run your mouth at work because I promise you, no one wants to hear about it.